Welcome everyone to Meltdown Sports, the June 12th, 2018 edition. Tommy Melton coming to you live from sunny Southwest Florida where I call my home. Lots going on in the sports world the last 24 hours. I just want to dive right into it right now. But first, for in, but first and foremost, before anything, congratulations to the Golden State Warriors for sweeping King James out of the out of the uh, NBA playoffs, and congratulations to the uh, Washington Capitals for finally not getting beat by the Penguins in the playoffs. I think that was a key key attribute. Uh, I. I very happy for Ovechkin. He finally gets to hoist Lord Stanley's Cup. And uh, very happy for Steph Curry because eventually he may be able to drive himself to work since he looks like he's still 12 years old. Uh, coming on to today's sports day, the last 24 hours, New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy. Guess what, folks? He legalized sports gaming in the state of New Jersey. That's right. He is single-handedly trying to put the mafia out of business. But, hey, I hope he's got a uh, good protection detail there. Sports gambling is... You know, it's always been for us that through my lifetime, I'm 40 years of age, it's always been stuck in the Las Vegas world. You know, it's always been kind of taboo, or you can go online and place your sports bet. You could do a lot of really, really shady stuff online, in case you didn't know it. But we're just talking about sports gaming today. Whatever else you do online, erase your history. Sports, book game, sports gambling is really, really becoming more and more popular in the United States. I think there's a lot of things that have to come into play, though, with this becoming a very uh, mainstream event. I think one of the first things that must, must occur is all these sports leagues have to get together with all these sports books and really work on transparency. What I mean by transparency is if a guy's hurt, you have to tell us he's hurt. You can no longer go the way of Bill Belichick and downplay every injury or say he's not hurt or say it's a head cold when it's an ACL, especially with the billions of dollars that are going to be on the line. Not millions, billions of dollars that are going to be on the lines once uh, the sports gaming gets legalized everywhere. And I, I truly believe not only will it be legalized you know, in New Jersey and in Mississippi and in in out in Las Vegas and the Nevada area. I think it's going to be pretty much countrywide at one point. I think it's kind of like the uh, marijuana thing in the world. I think it's going to start in a few states. And once they see the positive benefits from the revenue of tax dollars going into schools and infrastructures of states, I think it's almost a no-brainer. I know there's a lot of darkness with... Um, with gambling people worry about addiction and stuff like that but here's the funny thing people are doing it anyway they've been doing it forever ever they've been betting on it so this is a good way we can now you know maybe bring in those gambling outsources for addiction and maybe bring them more into a prominent spotlight so people maybe want to find help faster i'm not condoning anyone's you know drop their mortgage on you know tonight's game 95 of the major league baseball season but you know people are going to wager I think, I think the last statistic I heard, um, NFL football, I think, is like $6 billion a year in, in unlicensed gaming. You know, I think now with, you know, the rules and infrastructure in place, if it's done properly, I think this will benefit everybody in the long run. I think, um, I mean, if you look, if you look abroad, I mean, England right now has had sports gaming for, for, for decades. You know, and you could go anywhere in England and bet on anything, a tennis match, a cricket match, a rugby match. They play all those really goofy sports over there, but they absolutely love it, and they actually bet on it. If you ever watch, like, a an NBC Sports, you know, a Sunday morning, you know, EPL soccer, you know, of, you know, the Barclays League, you know, you see it blastered all over their billboards. Bet here, bet this, bet that, have, a, have some tea and crumpets and bet that. There's always something 
out there for for them to bet on and it seems to be very seamlessly i know they probably make a very good wager from it so i think it's just the united states and their very pure way of thinking for all these years kind of like with alcohol they ban it and they bring it back i think slowly but surely um common sense starts to take over and you realize that it's going to happen anyway you might as well find a way to do it effectively that way it doesn't get as abused and can be more of a uh, above board process I mean, it's sad to say this is one of the first times in my life that I didn't watch any of the Triple Crown races. I didn't watch the Kentucky Derby. I did not watch the Pregnant. I did not watch the Bel Belmont. I was tied up all three weekends, and I missed all three races. But apparently, we have a Triple Crown winner, which kind of got swept under the rug. It uh, wasn't a whole lot of media coverage, you know, other than if you were watching the show live or it came across your Facebook or Instagram or Twitter feeds. It wasn't a really... A well-publicized thing, in my opinion, whereas in years past, the Triple Crown was such a glorious event that now I think it's, is it becoming commonplace? I mean, wouldn't we go, you know, 35, 40 years without having one? Then we've had them here pretty regularly lately, so apparently whatever horse wins one is supposed to win all three. I don't know, I just thought, I thought that was odd when I was, you know, looking back over the last uh, few days of sports news, and hey, Justify won, and apparently he won in pretty substantial fashion. So, of course, you know, you start doing comparisons to Secretariat and some other powerful horses throughout history. But, you know, hey, I'm sure it was a good time if you had money on it. Once again, sports bet, sports book betting. <laughs> it only applies, doesn't just, doesn't just apply to ball, stick and ball sports. It applies to everything. Well, as we move into Wednesday, Wednesday is uh, tomorrow, and then into Thursday. Thursday will kick off what is going to be World Cup 2018, and oh, I cannot wait for the United States men's national team to get on the. F what? Oh, they're not in it because they got beat. Okay, so okay, so the World Cup starting on Thursday, and there's no USA team. Um. I, for one, have enjoyed watching the World Cup for my most of my adult life, and I pretty much ever since I've been keeping up with it, the U.S. has always been in the World Cup. I'm feeling kind of torn now because they're not in this one, and I don't know who to root for. It's a, it's an astonishing fact, but there are some positive stories coming out of it. Uh, first off, the host nation is Russia, and you know how much Americans love Russians. Right exactly what I thought too. So we probably won't be rooting for Russia too much. Well, some of us may, but most of us won't. There's some good stories coming out of the World Cup, like Mo Salah, the Egyptian national player, also plays for Liverpool. If you don't know who he is, then you've been living under a rock if you consider yourself a true sports fan the last year. He's been uh, one of the EPL's leading scorers and possibly one of the best players on the planet, not named Messi or Ronaldo. He's a scoring machine. He's a good player. And uh, he's actually done a lot of good things in his in his community. I think he's built a hospital. He's also done a lot of things. He's also brought a lot of young Muslims to soccer. You know, I think that's something that uh, he should deserve a little bit of credit for. I know, I know there are Muslim nations that play soccer, but now with his um, instant impact and his uh, popularity, I think you're going to see a lot of more young Muslims coming into the fray and uh, wanting to be a lot like Mo Salah. But a little bit of breaking news on him, if you didn't know. He got hurt in Champions League against Real Madrid. He came down with a severe shoulder injury. So he's going to try to muscle through and play for his, his home country of Egypt. So we wish him well, and hopefully he'll be able to um, get out there and uh, see if he can't get Egypt into the knockout round, which I think is going to be a, a long road for them. 
but you know it is a good story and if you're a USA fan and you don't have a lot to talk about or a lot to worry about well this will give you somebody to root for one of the most unusual stories coming out of the last week is uh, we hear that Terrell Owens Hall of Famer Terrell Owens yes that guy Mr. Stand on the Star Mr. you know he's my quarterback crime Mr. doing sit-ups in the driveway well apparently he's decided that he's not going to go to Canton for the Hall of Fame induction. Yeah, let me say that again for you. He has decided he's going to decline the invitation to go to Canton for his Hall of Fame induction. He's actually said he's going to have a private ceremony somewhere else. Now, this is just the epitome of Terrell Owens. This is just him. This is Terrell being Terrell. He is snubbing the Hall of Fame probably because he wasn't a first ballot Hall of Famer. You could do your arguments there. I think he's a no-brainer Hall of Famer. I think his statistics show he's a no-brainer Hall of Famer. But he also shows that there's no one more important in this world than himself, Terrell Owens. I think it just goes a long line with his whole career of poor decision-making. You know? You know, is he a great talent? Yes. Was he a wonderful receiver? Yes. Is he a head case? Absolutely. Borderline prima donna? Absolutely. Well, he's a wide receiver. They're supposed to be that way. Yeah, but you don't see Jerry Rice acting that way or Tim Brown acting that way or Chris Carter acting that way. I mean, at least have a little humble and little grace. I mean, Randy Moss got the introduction last year that going into the Hall of Fame. I mean, I watched him on on, on countdown and, and I mean in open tears of joy with the opportunity to be inducted into Canton Pro Football Hall of Fame and you have who I think is a lesser receiver in Terrell Owens saying no I'll just do it on my own because I don't feel like I want to go or I don't have it I mean even teammates have reached out to me. Steve Young reached out to me and says what are you doing basically this is something for you you should go be honored with with your induction mates. I mean, I think once again, it's just his way, you know, of trying to uh, make himself bigger than what he actually is. So I think Terrell Owens is uh, doing what Terrell Owens do. He would probably be the first player ever living not to go to the Hall of Fame ceremony. So in case you're ever wondering who's more important than Terrell Owens, nobody. Now I mentioned the NBA Finals earlier. And uh, it was a uh, it was boring basketball. It, it was uh, uninteresting to say the least. Um, I watched you know all four games or at least as much as I could of it, and uh, it was not fun to watch. LeBron James looked beat, looked exhausted after carrying. I don't know if you want to call him a team after carrying that group of players that far into the playoffs and then running into you know a juggernaut known as the Golden State Warriors. I think um, I think he played injured. Once again, getting back to that whole transparency thing of sports betting, we have to know if he's hurt. Apparently, he had a cast on his hand after game four. You know, apparently, it wasn't that big of a deal because if you saw him today, he's doing push-ups. So, I don't know if that's a, if it was a legitimate injury or just something that LeBron could say, see, look, I wasn't 100%. Because that's kind of what it is. Whenever he, Whatever team he plays on, he is the bell cow. Reason being the bell cow because of the way he carries himself. You listen to his interviews, it's I, it's me, it's he's not really a wee guy. It's, he knows he's good. He's the best player on the planet. There's no argument there. But I often wonder, you know, what happened to the players before they got to Cleveland to play with LeBron? Because they were really good. Kevin Love in Minnesota was was a all-star every year. Led his team in scoring most years. Led his team in rebounding. Actually led the NBA in rebounding a few years. You know, and then he gets to Cleveland and he's, he's a... He's a 
a shell of his former self. I mean, if anybody remembers, I mean, J.R. Smith, who, by the way, who keeps creating all these memes on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, man, please do not stop. But the, have we forgotten how good J.R. Smith was in Denver? I mean, did he get old overnight? Or did, once again, the shadow of Haran get too much? It really took the ball out of his hands. He was a scoring threat in Denver. He was a vertical player. He could shoot the ball. He got up and down the floor. He was looking to score. Where when you play with King James, is he has the ball, and if he graces you with a pass, then that's what you get. But I think I think a lot would be a lot of changes in Cleveland. Uh, will LeBron stay? Will LeBron go? I think that's the biggest question mark. Uh, knowing him and Dan Gilbert don't have the best relationship, uh, or you know, shaky at best. Does LeBron not say anything and then leave in the middle of the night, or does he give Gilbert enough heads up? Maybe like you know, before the NBA draft. So they can know if they have to take somebody there sitting at eight or nine, wherever they're picking, you know, or does he just leave when he wants and say, hey, it was fun, and then leave them holding the bag with Kevin Love and J.R. Smith. It's pretty much a mismatch group of talent there. I mean, it's do they have serviceable NBA players? Yes, it's like LeBron James and a bunch of role players off the bench. You know, George Hill, Jordan Clarkson, you know. You know, Jordan Clarkson was a starter in L.A. Of course he was a starter in L.A. Most players in the NBA would be a starter in L.A. The Lakers aren't very good. Then we see our friends from ESPN, Mr. Stephen A. Smith, saying how proud he would be and how honored he would be if LeBron James would go to Los Angeles. And I, and I tried to think to myself, why would that make you proud? And then he spouts off, you know, there's never been a Laker not to win a world title. And I was like, wow, that's that's pretty high praise. But why would LeBron at 32 going into 33 want to go rebuild another organization? Because, by the way, that's what you would have to do in L.A. You would have to rebuild them because they are not a good team. Do they have pieces? Yeah. You have a, a, a very long, very athletic Brandon Ingram who seems to not be developing very well because he hasn't really changed any part of his game. You have Julius Randle, who actually I think last year was probably his first year where he kind of kind of put his foot in the ground and uh, kind of established himself more as a as a dominant player on that team. You know, and then you have, you know, the rookie, Kyle Kuzma, came in last year, the, the pride of Utah, who really, you know, when the draft came through, I wasn't really impressed with him. But after watching him play, I mean, he's, he's a very good NBA player. He's going to be very serviceable, maybe a future all-star down the road. But once again, you have those three pieces. Oh, then you have the, the star of their draft last year, who I think was just a, a horrendous pick, Lonzo Ball in the Ball Saga. I mean, I know he averaged what? 10, 7, and 7 this year, which is pretty good for a rookie, I guess, in the NBA. But, you know, there's no leadership there. There's a broken, broken jump shot. Can he pass? Yes. Is he athletic? Yes. He could do all the little things. But he would be, I think he's nothing more than an overhyped role player. You know, what are the Lakers going to do? Draft his other brother who's coming in from Lithuania this year? No, so if LeBron goes there, I mean, he has nobody else to really run with him. And as you've known, if you listen to him do interviews, he needs guys to run with him. He needs the Dwayne Wades, the Chris Boshes, the Kyrie Irvings of the world. Because if he doesn't have that, I don't think he'll win another title. I And depending on where he goes, we may never see LeBron James win another title. If he stays in Cleveland, yeah, he could probably get to the Eastern Conference Finals again. Reason being for that, the Eastern Conference isn't as strong as the West. You know, I think this draft is going to kind of 
hopefully it close that gap a little bit. I really think it should be closed a little bit. But I think, you know, Boston is young and hungry, and they're bringing, you know, Kyrie back healthy next year. Then you got the Wizards. You know, there's been rumors that LeBron might go to the Wizards. I don't think it's possible. But, hey, there's talent there. He's got John Wall and and, and Beal, I mean, and Gortat down low. I mean, that's a, that's a good little nucleus, but do they have enough? You know, then you could look, you know, Raptors. I don't think there's any way chance in hell he goes to uh, Toronto. Reason A, no one likes Drake. And B, it's Toronto. I mean, and we're not playing hockey. We're playing basketball. And I know we're wrong. Toronto's got a great fan base. But I don't see LeBron James, or I don't see the NBA really letting LeBron James go above the border. I just don't. I think they want to keep him in the U.S. of A., especially after, um, you know, the Chris Paul deal, them kind of moving Chris Paul around. Yeah, I think you might kind of see a little NBA front office influential to keep him, you know, stateside. You know, and then I, the most asinine one I heard was, you know, King James to the 76ers. Well, here's the thing. Are we trusting the process? You'd have to give up a couple, several of those pieces to even consider getting LeBron James. If you're Dan Gilbert, you're at least asking for two of those players that they have. And I don't. And if I'm and if I'm the 76ers and the 76er fan base who sat through all those years of drafting number one picks that busted or flopped and finally have grown into a playoff contending team in the East. Do you really want to jeopardize that by bringing in LeBron James? I don't think LeBron fits there either. Places I do think he fits. I think LeBron James would be a huge asset in Houston. Keep that core together. Keep Chris Paul. Him and Chris Paul are pretty close. Keep that core together. James Harden will roll back to the secondary figure. I think if you can get him and Harden to work together on the same page, I think that would be an easy way for him to get. I think you put LeBron James on the Houston Rockets, I think they can win the West. I do. I think that is his best shot if he's looking to win a title now. If he's looking to cement more legacy, you know, maybe a startup again. Maybe he does have the energy at 32, going to be 33, to make a move into, um, you know, rebuilding an organization. But... If I'm him, I think I, I think Houston is where I'd try to go. I know they've heard rumors that maybe Melo might kind of take the minimum and come join them. I can't see Melo doing anything to, to uh, be team-minded. I think he's a very selfish player as you watch him play. But, you know, they are all friends. They've talked about playing together. I think maybe you work enough contracts down low enough, you can get them all on the same team. I think Houston would be a monster in the West with those two additions. Once again, that's me playing NBA GM, but I think it's I think it's a possibility. I, I don't think it's likely. I think more than likely he stays in Cleveland and pushes Dan Gilbert around more and more and tries to get exactly the, the free agents that he wants there so they will play LeBron ball. It's it's not Cavs ball, it's LeBron ball. You gotta do what LeBron James says because he's the coach, the GM, the trainer. You know, he probably flies the flies the plane and the team bus. He does it all, and he should. I mean, he's the greatest player they've ever had in their organization. He's one of the, you know, top ten players in NBA history. He deserves a lot, a lot of credit. But, you know, with a lot, a lot of credit comes a lot, a lot of blame. And, you know, when he went to Miami and became the super team, that's kind of what happened. You know, he started the super team craze. And I know what you're going to say, you know, well, the Pistons had a super team, and that's true. And, you know, back in the day, the Lakers had the Showtime Lakers. They were a super team, and the Celtics – in the 80s were a super team. Yeah, but those guys were all drafted there. 
You know, we didn't say, well, I just want to go play with this guy, this guy, this guy. I didn't handpick my team. And I think with that going down that way, I think it's kind of, you know, put a sour taste in a lot of people's mouth. And I think it's coming back to bite LeBron in the ass a little bit. I really do. I think um, everybody's kind of caught onto his game. And teams and organizations aren't as apt to pull that trigger and move those things around so LeBron can have his way. But so so this offseason is going to be fun. If you've been watching ESPN, it's the uh, LeBron James network, as it always is. I wish ESPN would get back to covering all sports. But apparently they pick their two or three favorite athletes and just stick with it all the way through. A lot of great stories coming up. A lot of great stories that have gone by. Like I said, World Cup starting this week. Uh, for the rest of the world, it's pretty exciting. For America, it would probably be kind of quiet. I wouldn't be surprised to see our ratings down since we don't have a our boys team in there uh, ready to battle for a World Cup, which you know I didn't think we would probably be in line to win for. I don't think I'll ever see the U.S. win a World Cup in my life. I just don't. But, you know, there are some things in the U.S. that we do like, and there is a very, very popular sport here. It's called Major League Baseball, and if you haven't been watching and by the ratings and attendance at ballparks, you haven't. We're going to break it down for you real quick. Conference by conference, division by division, the AL East. Boy, if you haven't been watching the AL East, whoo it's the Yankees. It's the Red Sox. Everybody else in that division. You could pretty much go home. We'll see it in spring training. It is looking like a runaway. The rest of the division is at least 14 games back. I repeat, the rest of the division is at least 14 games back. That is a tough road to climb. So basically what I'm telling you is Yankees, Red Sox will be in the playoffs. So if you're in the American League, you're going to have to go through the Northeast to get to the World Series. The AL Central is a little bit tighter. A little bit tighter. It's more of a three-team race. You know, you have you know the perennial power in the last several years, the Cleveland Indians at the top of the division at 39 and 26. But surprising to me is the Detroit Lions. Now, they don't have a great record. I mean, they're 31 and 36, but they're in second place in that division. You know, they don't. I've watched them play. I don't think they're an overly good team. They got a couple good pitchers, a couple good players. Nick Costellis is on that team. You know, Fulmer is a good, Fulmer is a good pitcher. But after that, there's not a whole lot there. But they seem to be kind of piecemeal that together. They're in second place currently. I don't think they'll stay there. I think they will fade down the stretch. They just don't have the talent this year to get through there. But I do think uh, more of a surprise to me is the Twins. Now, I know they've, had, they've been banged up. They've been banged up with Buxton for a while. They've been banged up with Sano being out for a while due to uh, lower leg injuries, hamstrings, whatever. And Buxton without a hamstring, he's, you know, as fast as he is, he really needs those. I am I'm, I'm, I am shocked by the Twins record. I just think it maybe it, I'm going to contribute it more to injuries right now than anything else. But I, I really surprised them to be more of a terror in that, in that AL Central. Uh, and as it, it heats up, it'll pretty much go away, go that way. The rest of the division, the uh, White Sox and Royals are pretty much out of it. Roy, uh, the White Sox had just been decimated with injuries. I mean, they every time they get a player back, they lose two more. It's it's been a very rough road for the White Sox and the Royals. Well, the Royals, you know, kind of trade away Hosmer and a few other Kane to some other players. So they just haven't really recovered yet. And they still have Alex Gordon in left field, but he's him and him and Mustakas aren't enough to to get a team into the promised land. So. I think you're going to see them in the lower half of the division for the next several years until they can get their drafts going again and then get some of that younger talent up to the Kansas City Royals. In the AOS, the AOS is an interesting interesting division. It's a three-horse race. It really is. You have the Seattle Mariners at 42-24. and 24. Yeah, the Seattle Mariners are 42-24. and 24. That's that can't be right. 
four, yeah, 42 and 24. They're 42 and 24. The Astros coming at 22 and 25. And then you have the Angels coming in at 37 and, and 30. So basically, they're all within a few games of each other. You know, the Angels, I think, are seven and a half back, which is kind of the, you know, they're the they're still in it, but kind of teetering. I think with the injuries to Otani, I think that's going to really, really hurt them with him not pitching. Granted, they said they still might get him back for his bat here later in the year, but I think that injury right there might be too much for them to overcome as they are really struggling with pitching. Anyway, Astros, defending World Series champion Astros, have kind of looked kind of human lately, and I think that's kind of a shock. I, I know, I know. Speaking, of being a Cubs fan, when we won it in 2016, our next year we weren't very good until the. Uh, you know, the third third quarter of the season or into the four, last part of the season. Reason being exhaustion. You know, the media tour and all the hoopla of winning the World Series really does wear on you. And I think that's what the what the Astros are kind of going through right now. I just don't think they've got their focus or got their legs back. I do I, I 100% expect them to be in the playoffs. I mean, they have way too much talent not to make it. But, you know, I, I think it is weighing on them. And I think it's going to be something we're at the check as we get down the line. Seattle Mariners. Seattle Mariners are a surprise team. I mean, that, I mean, I didn't expect them to be where they are, but, you know, they've made some moves early. They're very aggressive. They got with Tampa and got Cologne, the closer, and Dar- uh, Denard Spann, the outfielder. You know, just give them some added depth at those two positions. You know, they've had some injuries, too. They lost Cano for 80 games due to PEDs or whatever it is he took and uh, a thumb injury. So he was able to have surgery. So it's kind of a not a total loss, total blessing. I mean, he was going to probably be out 12 weeks in anyway with the thumb. So he'll have to sit a few more weeks for his uh, taking the wrong Flintstone vitamins, if you will. So, yeah, that would be interesting coming down the road. The AOS looks to be a uh, pretty, looks like it'd be a three-horse race right now. I think moving forward, we'll have to see how that goes. Let's switch over to the National League, or I like to call it the Old Man League. The National League, we'll start with the National League East, and well... The surprise team in baseball, if you ask me, is the Atlanta Braves at 37-28, and 28, tied for the top of the division with the Washington Nationals. You know, two teams, if you'd have told me to have been the Braves and the Nationals tied atop this late, this wet part of the season, I told you you were crazy. You need your head examined. Well, here's the funny thing. I wouldn't call this a three-horse race, but the Phillies are the third team in that division. Mets are fading. Mets started off extremely hot, beating everybody, beat up my Cubs, you know. But the Phillies at 33 and 30, very young team. Gabe Kapler, a very young coach. He's definitely a guy that's got to learn that, you know, yeah, you can use analytics, but you also have to use good old-fashioned gut sometimes. I think that's where they're kind of missing the beat there here in Philly. I think they'll kind of get it going. Mickey Calloway is a great, great manager for the Mets. I think if he ever gets those guys healthy, get their heads right, get them going, I think he can actually get that team turned around here in the next season or two. I think he's very good with pitchers, and if you haven't noticed, the Mets have a ton of pitching. Can they keep it healthy? That's the issue. Injuries have always seemed to be lately been biting the Mets more than almost any other team in baseball. Or once they get it going, they just start falling apart again. So Mickey Callaway definitely has his hands full. Off to the NL West. NL West is a tight, tight little race. You know, you have Arizona at the top of the division at 36 and 29. They're definitely the class of the West. I could definitely see them, you know, in the World Series this year. Um, if they, you know, play well in the playoffs, it's something they don't really do well. Uh, they're kind of like the Nationals that way. The Nationals are great until the playoffs. Arizona kind of has that same feel to me. They don't really seem to have a lot of that uh, experience in the playoffs, so I think that's kind of where they fall short. Los Angeles Dodgers come in at 33-32, and 32, a couple games back. 
not a big deal if you're thinking good, but the Dodgers have been, you know, another team. And a lot of major league teams, I don't know if it's because the season started early or what happened, but there's a lot of players hurt. And the biggest loss for the Dodgers is Kershaw. The back is flared up again. Hopefully he can do like he's done the last several years, get a rehab, get it right, get back out there. He's a fun guy to watch. He enjoys playing. He's a dominant pitcher. And the Dodgers don't have him. The Dodgers have no chance. You know, they have they have really other good pitcher. Wood's a good pitcher. You know, they have a they have a good staff, but without that horse, that ace, that bell cow, that guy that can go on three days rest in the playoffs, it's gonna be a long road for the Los Angeles Dodgers. And finally the third team out west, the San Francisco Giants. Well, they're another team that's been licked with injuries. They got guys playing out of position. They got pitchers coming and going. They can't really seem to kind of get their footing. They got Bumgarner back. He goes back out. <laughs> he got ejected the other day after six innings. Apparently, he didn't like what was going on. So it seems like they're kind of in flux too. They have a very experienced team. They have a world. They have a World Series experience. Experienced team. Uh, can they get all the parts going in the same way? Can they get the support from the pitching staff and timely hitting moving forward to kind of make a run in the West? It's only June. 12 folks but you know it's time to start you know kind of start talking about baseball more nfl is done nhl is done now we can start talking about sports that um you know that actually don't have anything over their head right now and um baseball's one golf should start getting some more love as they get ready to head over across the pond to do some british to do the british open or the open as they like to call it so there's a lot of good things left last but not least my favorite division in all of major league baseball the nl central reason being i am a huge chicago cubs fan and lo and behold for the first time since may 1st your chicago cubs are number one in the division at 38 and 25 leading uh leading leading our new nemesis the milwaukee brewers by half game just took the lead over them. Uh, that's going to be a fight all year. The Cubs and Brewers are going to go back and forth all year. The Brewers got a great lineup. If you have not watched the Brewers play baseball this year, you're missing out. They're, that's a good team. That's a quality ball club. That's a, in my opinion, that's a playoff ball club. That's somebody the Cubs are going to have to beat beat back every game of this of this season. If not, they'll take you over. St. Louis is kind of fading here in the last few weeks. Um, you know, once again, they're banged up. DeJong is out. They've had guys in other lineups. They've had pitchers in other lineups. They've been calling up and sending down, you know, probably more than any other team in this division. But it's a really, 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 really imperative that they get healthy. I don't see St. Louis getting back into the playoffs this year. I think they're going to miss it. I think getting Yadier Molina back will help that team a lot. As you know, he's coming back from the, from the hematoma injury. I just think the NL Central comes down to two teams and two teams only. That's the Chicago Cubs and the Milwaukee Brewers. After that, I mean, Pitt started, what, 17-2? and two? I mean, I think they faded way back now. They just don't have the, the depth, especially since they got rid of Garrett Cole and Andrew McCutcheons. You know, that kind of, I think, took the life out of this team before the season even started. I think they started so hot just to kind of be out of spite, but now they're kind of, kind of realizing that they really don't have the talent or the tools to get there. I would look for them to be a seller again in, in the maybe getting rid of Corey Dickerson, you know, a strong left fielder, you know, a good bat in the playoffs. I wouldn't be surprised to see him go. Uh, Cervelli, their catcher, wouldn't surprise to see him go. Good, Pretty decent hitting catcher. Everybody else I think is pretty good. Starling Marte might be an option for them to kind of pick up some more pieces. But I think uh, the pit's gonna, Pittsburgh is going to be uh, right there as uh, full rebuild mode comes down the line. Comes down the line. 
always fun about the Major League Baseball. They like to do power rankings like basketball does now and like, you know, the NFL does, you know, who are the top ten or college football. You know, we all like polls. We all like standings. And I was looking at some of the standings. I said, you know what? I'm going to make my own standings, you know, and I'll start ten to one. That way to make it very easy to wrap this podcast up, this June 12th podcast. What a beautiful day down here in Southwest Florida. Tommy's Major League Baseball Power Rankings. Let's start with number 10, the Cleveland Indians. Cleveland, last few years, has been in the thick of it in the playoffs. Uh, this year, they just seem to be hemming along. To me, I think they're going to catch their stride soon, so they probably won't be at 10 for long, but for me, they're number 10. At number 9, the Los Angeles Angels. Still fighting, still a good team. I think injuries are catching up with them as well, but as of now, I think they have the fight in the West, and, you know, if they get hot and make a run, they might be able to dethrone the Mariners out West. Number eight, and this is the surprise of baseball, the Atlanta Braves. Now, granted, they've had a few injuries, which, I, which I've been telling all my Braves fans, once the injuries start, it's going to be hard for them to keep up. But you know what? Their good young arms have come up, and they've been strong. Their good young players have come up, and Albies and Acuna both have come up. Both have been talent. Both are strong. Freddie Freeman slugging the baseball. The Braves are not going away, folks. I think if they can stay healthy, they're going to be there in the end. Number seven, the Seattle Mariners. If you're not Zanino catching and hitting behind the plate. You got Kyle Seeger down at third. They've played really, really well. You're getting good starts, not great starts out of King Fernandez, but you're getting quality out of him. And I think that's, at this point, that's all you really want from him. You know, he's learned probably the sinker a little bit more, gotten off. Still has good, still has good gas, but he doesn't have the gas pedal. He doesn't have the 98 plus anymore. So he's got a, he's had to change, shape, reshape his game. And I think he's done a pretty fairly good job of that. Coming in at number six, your Washington Nationals. Great team. Loads of talent. Playoff cursed. For some reason, they cannot push them. And hopefully, maybe they'll, maybe the Capitals rub off on them. They'll see, hey, if the Capitals can do it, we can do it, right? Hey, it's make-believe, right? But hopefully, they'll be able to uh, get over the hump and possibly get to the World Series. I don't think they will because of the number five power team. The number five power team to me is the Chicago Cubs, and that hurts to say because they're number one to me and everything, but in this power ranking, I try to keep it as, you know, as level-headed as possible. Number five, the Chicago Cubs. They've been up and down all year, you know. They've had good performances. They've had good stretches. They've had bad stretches. They've had stretches where they don't hit. Uh, I think uh, their base ceiling needs to get a little bit better. I think they need to be more aggressive at the plate, but I think overall, they're they're built for the postseason, so I think they're just kind of riding the wave until they get there, and hopefully it doesn't backfire on them, because a lot of times that happens to teams. Teams that are built for the postseason that don't get there because basically they didn't take the season serious enough. Number four, the Houston Astros, defending World Series champions. Loads of talent. Good pitching. Not great pitching, but they have good pitching. And they have guys, a lot of relievers who can pitch on short notice and give you some really good things. Lance McCullers is a good spot starter. You know, Friars, you know, Gregson, you know, you have all, you have Brad Peacock. You have guys who can go out there and get you innings. Plus, with the Dallas Keuchels of the world, there's definitely a lot going on in this team. Uh, the Correas and Altuves of the world. This team in George Springer, pardon me. This team has talent, and as you saw in the World Series last year, if they get hot, they can slug their way to a title. So at number four right now, because they're not playing really good right now, but I think they're going to put it together. And I think I said earlier, the fatigue of being World Series champs does catch up with you. At number three, uh, sorry, at number two, the Boston Red Sox. Boston Red Sox have been hot most of the year. They've battled and battled and battled. 
only to you know fall short to really only one team so far this year, and that's my number one team, the New York Yankees. The Yankees have been a very, very good team. Servino is kind of taking a step forward as their lead ace. You still have Tanaka. I mean, you have great role players like Guardy and and um, oh, what's his name? Gregorius, D.D. Gregorius. So you have talent, you have players, you have players like Gilbert Torres now, uh, Cub, uh, traded. <clears throat> Just saying, you're welcome, Yankees fans. Gilbert Torres is up, he's hitting and slugging like we all knew he would at Chicago. We see him doing really, really great things in New York. We wish him nothing but the best. But then you got like Bird, and then you have the big three there. You have Stanton, Judge, and Sanchez. I mean, that is a lot of power in that lineup. Very good reasons they're number one in my poll. Uh, they're, I pick them to be a playoff team, uh, possibly a World Series team. Only thing you have to worry about is injuries. I haven't seen them yet, so you know, hopefully they'll be able to make it through, and uh, we'll see how the playoffs play out. Now, this has been the June 12th version of the Meltdown podcast, and uh, I hope to see you guys uh, real soon. If you like this, share it with a friend. Uh, give me messages or comments back so I can hear what you what you think, what you like, what you didn't. Thanks a lot. Have a good day. Bye.